0: This is Dan Fagella and you're listening to AI in Business, where every Thursday we talk about making the business case. On Tuesdays, we talk about individual use cases, but successful deployments imply more than just knowing the right use cases. They imply understanding the right priorities, the right perspectives, the right processes to adopt and deploy AI and even measure its return on investment. Today, we're talking about a theme on arguably everybody's mind in the innovation and strategy world, that is most of the folks we interact with in the enterprise, which is changing technology priorities in a post COVID world. What does it mean for AI projects given the situation we find ourselves in now? What does it mean for AI projects moving forward in the year ahead? We speak this week with Brett Berenick, who is the Vice President, General Manager of Security and Biometrics Products at Nuance Communications. Nuance, arguably the best known natural language processing company in the world, they've been selling. AI-related products into the enterprise for decades. Very few companies can say that, and they make billions of dollars, plural, in revenue. So Brett brings some interesting perspective on what they're seeing with their enterprise clients and how he thinks AI priorities and projects are going to shift and change moving forward. And I think it's useful perspective for anybody thinking about the next two to three years as we pull out of this mess we're in. If you're aiming to deploy AI within your own company and you haven't already downloaded our Beginning with AI guide, that short PDF guide can be found online at emerj.com slash BEG and then the number 1, that's emerj.com slash BEG1. Again, if you're looking to deploy AI, that's going to be a short and useful guide that will hopefully add some additional value to the context and to the perspective that Brett brings here today. It's a really fundamental resource that I hope you'll enjoy. Uh, but without further ado, I want to fly into this episode With Brett with Nuance Communications here on the AI and Business podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the changing technology priorities in the enterprise, the advent of the coronavirus. This episode is brought to you by Emerge Creative Services. From our podcasts, newsletters, and online content channels, Emerge.com is the largest audience of AI focused business leaders anywhere online. Companies selling AI products or services into the financial services or other sectors of the enterprise use creative services from Emerge to develop thought leadership, educate executive buyers, and build lead generation pipelines. For those of you who have your events canceled recently, webinars are a topic that we've seen more and more interest in. If folks are interested in learning more about Emerge Creative Services, you can go to emerj.com slash ad1. That's emerj.com ad1 and learn more about our creative services offerings. So and now we're going to dive in with Brett at Emerge. Brett, thank you for joining us here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Glad to have somebody else from Nuance sort of joining us on the show. It's been a little bit since we had your CTO on the program. and I know we just had you on the financial services show more about fraud. You're selling the cutting edge into the enterprise. You deal with a number of different sectors. From your vantage point, Brett, how are technology priorities changing in this sort of pandemic time as people are rethinking their strategies? What do you see shifting right
1: now? yeah Dan that's a very good question and we've we've heard from a lot of our customers that uh, this has been a you know once- in- a lifetime type of experience that they've gone through, uh, and shifting through uh, not only technology priorities but uh, you know really thinking through how their business processes need to change given this new situation. And you know one of the things that we've consistently heard is and this is not going to become a surprise, right is that you know physical locations such as branch networks and so forth have to shut down. And and even, you know, contact centers, right? So agents that would provide customer care to customers, right? All those individuals are being asked to work from home. Uh, So dramatic shifts in how organizations deal with their customers. And, you know, over the last couple of days and over the last couple of weeks, the number one message that we've heard is that we need to apply uh, technology to deal with with this new situation. And there hasn't necessarily been a clear understanding of what that would be. Uh, A lot of organizations are just thinking about how do they deal with today and how do they deal with tomorrow. So, a lot of short term decisions around just equipping staff, right, with laptops and headsets and and other very quote unquote mundane technology. Uh, But what we're seeing now is also a resurgence in the interest in AI pirate virtual assistants to manage more uh, customer care interactions in a virtual way, right? So that those interactions that would have normally taken place in brick and mortar locations, right? can be done uh, virtually. And so we're seeing that the AI tech, right, can really help these organizations in in this very difficult period of time. On the other hand, what we've, you know, this is really dear to my heart because my passion is uh, helping organizations uh, prevent fraud and deal with uh, security challenges. Unfortunately, right, whenever there's a big change in society, fraudsters take advantage of that. And there's also a new influx of net new fraudsters it's unfortunate, but with increased unemployment, uh, yeah. there are individuals that decide that you know this is one way of dealing with the situation, and so we've been helping uh, our customers deal with this uh, increase influx and in, in fraud attacks and, and fraudsters as well.
0: Yeah, I think the interesting thing about fraud, Brett, is is that not only sometimes is it relatively easy to deploy compared to let's say overhauling some sort of fancy AI process on top of improving the. Customer lifetime value of a wealth management client, or something where we're impacting a whole bunch of parts of the pipeline. You know, for fraud, if we have the historical data, we know what's coming in now. We might just be able to have better false positives, better false negatives, and it's also quite measurable. It seems like this is one of the risk mitigation technologies that might actually see an uptick, despite the economic hit, if if there is going to be one.
1: That's very insightful. Uh, you know, the fraud technologies, given that they're not plugged into a large number of business processes, you know, they can be deployed very, very quickly. And we've definitely seen an uptick in, in demand. The challenge, though, is really forecasting how, where is the fraud going to come from, right? And how are fraudsters going to adapt? And that's where we're working hand in hand with uh, a number fraud teams in the organizations that we work with, really just to understand this is a, a, a unique situation, right? N- nobody has a textbook, right, that they can read from. Of course. If pandemic, then the fraudsters are going to do ADT. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, we don't know. So, we
0: don't know that. Yeah.
1: So we're in an uncharted territory. But AI, you know, one of the good things about AI is that it's not you know a rule based system, right? And so there is the ability to quickly adapt to to these evolving uh, situations.
0: Yeah, and I think that's kind of part of the mix. Again, most of our work is in insurance and banking. We're hearing questions, you know, the questions that have always been asked, but now asked with more ardentness, such as where is the low hanging fruit in other words you know what's not going to take me 6 months to spin up a pilot in and what am i going to actually be able to have a measurable result pumping out the back end that i can show somebody and you know fraud often fits the bill it did 6 months ago so it still does now but to your point some of it is going to be new in other words when we have a massive you know if unemployment numbers go up to 50 million people in the united states or some insane number which the, the fed is potentially predicting you know, we may see different kinds of fraud. We have new technologies, different kinds of people being laid off, maybe, than was in the normal pool of potential fraudsters, you know, six months ago. So, historically trained systems, you know, in all fairness, may not exactly be trained on the precise kinds of fraudulent patterns that we're going to see hit us in insurance and payments and other areas. Does that mean maybe we're going to have to start training systems on this new normal in order to start tracking it well? Because it doesn't feel like it's going to be the same kind of activity.
1: Absolutely. You know, a lot of these fraud systems are, are designed for organized fraud gangs, right? So think about a group of individuals that have decided that, you know, crime is their uh, bread and butter. And, uh, you know, they wake up uh, in the morning and, and they perpetrate fraud throughout the whole day, right? And uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that type of behavior is actually golden for AI systems, right? Because there's just a lot of data to train, you know, the AI model. So so, this situation that we're dealing with here does present an interesting challenge because although there could be a lot of data, right, a lot of individuals that are perpetrating a new kinds of fraud, the real question mark is, will they have a level of consistency amongst them? And one can, can, can assume that there will be, but really that's uncharted territory. Uh, and so that's where, you know, we just need to create as an industry right amongst vendors and and amongst uh, various organizations and various verticals to figure this one out.
0: So you're you're fortunate that you're in a potentially stop the bleeding category of AI applications, right? Not all technologies fit that same bill. When you look at other kinds of of sort of patterns of how priorities are changing, it seems like everybody's big picture strategies are being kind of redone and rethought because of course normal is going to be different. We may not have as many people on our teams you know, our customers may not have the same, you know, ability to to sort of pay, uh, or they they may have different preferences and different priorities that we now need to adjust to. It feels like a lot of let's call them transformative, moonshot, longer term business transformation type AI projects that might be in the works might be getting rethought, maybe canceled, maybe repositioned or, or maybe scrapped altogether in light of something different. Do you foresee a shakeup of that sort across the AI initiatives within the enterprise? I can't really think of a way that we could get around that, but are, are you seeing the same thing and or do you suspect to see something different?
1: Absolutely. Uh, we've definitely seen that organizations are very much focused on near-term objectives uh, and so these uh, AI projects that take, you know, in some cases, multiple years, right, are are just not being considered right now. Uh, and so there's a lot of those projects that are on pause. And there's a new opportunity, obviously, for AI projects that can be turned around very, very quickly. And that can, as you mentioned, deal with the local group. Now, I suspect that that's the current situation that we're in right now. I personally believe that this experience that we're all living as a global community is going to have lasting effects on how we do business, how we interact with each other, how we interact with retailers, and so those long term initiatives will come back uh yeah. and I think that they they will need to be adjusted you know given this new reality but i think given given to where we're at today it's it's still a little bit premature to to understand how how it's all going to play out
0: yeah, I think that that is part of the challenge we don't know you know I think there's there's folks in the restaurant, and the fitness world who, um, you know, I have a friend who owns five different martial arts academies, you know, and it's a pretty tough time for him. So there's some businesses that have been hit very hard, very immediately. Other people are wondering, is this going to last 18 months? You know, is this going to last another three months? So it's it's tough to gauge where that normal is. When the dust does settle, uh, maybe it's not going to be back to normal, that's for sure. There's going to be a new kind of normal. But when the dust settles and we can actually kind of project into the future a little bit and have some understanding of of where we're going to be and, and get our thoughts together about how we're going to pull out of it. How do you see priorities around technology, AI included, um, shifting as people start to rise from these ashes, so to speak? Some companies are going to take an advantage from this event, but ninety-eight percent of them are going to take a hit. When it comes to rising out of this, how do you see priorities shifting in that time of mending and healing, and potentially some companies trying to get ahead? You know, in, in that in that dangerous time.
1: Yeah. So, Dan, I think organizations that have learned to adapt right to this. Uh, you know, work at home model, leveraging virtual interactions with customers, they're, they're going to be ahead, right? Because when the dust settles and, and, quote unquote, the new normal comes upon us, if organizations are really prepared to interact with, with their customers um, virtually and taking into account that people are probably going to get used to working at home and, and that they potentially won't want to travel as much. Because uh, they realize that maybe that's not necessary, right? Because they've, they've learned over the last uh, you know couple of months that actually, you know, you can actually do a lot of business, right, from, uh, from your home office. So I think organizations that take those facts into account and really apply AI tech to leverage, you know, this new situation where, you know, leveraging AI tech for virtual assistants, right, to support, you know, these kinds of work at home environments and when people aren't actually meeting physically together as often, I think those organizations are going to be ahead. And so I think there's a significant place for AI tech, but it will definitely change and we'll definitely need to adapt.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I'm going to ask you a bit of an uncouth question here. I, I think that for better or for worse, it feels like a lot of the layoff action that's going to, be, that's going to have to happen as this starts to trickle down to other companies. You know, I'm not sure how long the the US government can just print money. The recovery from that feels as though Number one, to your point, and I think a lot of folks have made this, Aaron Levy had an interesting tweet about this, the CEO of Box recently, that sort of all the excuses to we'll digitize that later um, are, are not really going to be viable excuses anymore after this kind of an event. It does feel like a lot of the bulk of our processes that will be sloughed away for, for the sake of saving the business and maintaining some people on payroll and, and staying, staying profitable is not going to be necessarily replaced by the same humans but a lot of it may end up being replaced by tech out of raw necessity, out of raw urgency of being able to endure something this horrible again, and that that may not result in the same degree of hiring, but there will be a wave of efficiency focused um, IT and AI spending. Do you foresee the same thing? This is a pattern we're picking up on in terms of our own polls, but I know everybody's got a different vantage point. and Of course, that's, uh, I'm not saying that's morally good. I'm just saying it's something we're hearing. What is your take there?
1: I think you're absolutely correct. And I think the employment dynamic will absolutely shift. I think it will create opportunities for individuals that are in the tech industry, uh, without a doubt. I think the hardest hit individuals are going to be, you know, those working in, you know, the brick and mortar traditional type of industries. And it's an unfortunate, you know, human society has gone through all sorts of transitions that, you know, those transition periods can be painful. But I think in the longer term, right, this will have positive consequences, in you know delivering better experiences uh more efficient experiences more efficient work processes so you know it's hard to talk about this given that a lot of people are you know suffering right now and i want to be yeah. uh, recognizing that and of course and of course, yeah. I, I don't want anybody to to think that we're you know having this conversation without ha- keeping you know that human that short-term human suffering in mind but you know i think your listeners should see this as a glimmer of hope right that you know, these AI powered jobs, you know, if, if we can call them that way, you know, can be quite stimulating and quite beneficial again to to human society versus some of the more mundane uh, jobs that exist in brick and mortar locations that will most likely not not come back, right, after this uh, after this pandemic period.
0: Well, you're talking about, and yeah, so completely with you, I think the folks who are listening in should take it for, obviously for granted with my mention of my buddy who owns five martial arts gyms, that, that this is something serious that nobody's making light of or, or saying that, You know, these are good things that the job market will take as much of a shake as it as it will. As you mentioned, some of these tech businesses will boom in response because people are going to want to bolster their companies with robust, reliable, potentially in some cases, automated tech and processes as opposed to simply having people hand the paperwork, you know, up and down. Not not to say it's mindless work, but you know, sometimes it could be replaced by a system that may create more jobs in sort of tech proper. Or you know maybe some enterprises you know may purchase some of that some of that technology. Do you see sort of the the job opportunities that come out of this being kind of more exclusive to big tech, more exclusive to maybe some departments with the, within the enterprise who really do have to hire back and, and bring people in, versus other wings of the enterprise that are kind of "quote unquote" hiring back tech as opposed to hiring up to the same staffing levels. In other words, will there be some maybe departments who will win and lose here? And from a a people standpoint, right? From a people standpoint and a payroll standpoint.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. There will be shifts. And, uh, you know, the new normal will not be like the old normal. And so uh, there are some departments within organizations, right, which won't hire back to the same levels that they had before. Conversely, there are other departments that, you know, will gain, right, in in additional staff. And reading between the lines, what that means is that, you know, there's a new skill set that's going to have to be developed. Yep. And that transition can sometimes be, uh, be challenging, right? Uh, because, you know, people don't gain new skills overnight. But I think again, looking at the longer term, right? Over a period of years, I am a firm believer that this will lead to better working conditions and, and more stimulating jobs for, for individuals. Just like previous significant changes in, in human history, right? Have also led people out of, you know, difficult, you know, manual labor type jobs in, into conditions that Uh, that I think we would all agree, right, have uh, improved the human condition. So I think this will be one of those moments in human history that leads to, uh, to another employment shift.
0: Fingers crossed that you are correct there, Brett. And I know that here at Emerge, we're going to be doing a lot more coverage on these trends and getting perspective from smart folks like yourself who are watching the front lines and also thinking about the people in the tech field that need to retool and reskill. Because I think to your point, There will have to be a lot of that, whether we all want it or not. So I'm with you on the optimism. I'll keep my fingers crossed. And Brett, thank you again for being able to join us here on the AI and Business Podcast.
1: Thanks, and it was a pleasure.
0: So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business podcast. I certainly hope you've enjoyed this episode with Brett. If you liked his insights, we actually have another episode with Brett coming up soon on our other podcast. Go over and check out the AI and Financial Services podcast. You can simply find it on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, you can find it on Spotify, on SoundCloud go over and subscribe for AI and financial services, and you'll get to hear Brett's perspective on biometrics and cybersecurity AI applications in financial services. Uh, We also cover all kinds of interesting topics on that show as well, including the future of banking, the future of insurance, and current use cases that are really shaking up the financial services space specifically. So a little bit of a more targeted kind of content regimen there focused just on finance, but if you're into financial services, that's gonna be a show you're gonna wanna subscribe to. So thanks again for joining us on this episode and i'll catch you in our next episode our ai futures episode this saturday here on the ai and business podcast